The Best of Times, live from 710 Keel Studios in Shreveport, Louisiana. Celebrating age and maturity. Helping you make the best years of your life the best they can be. The Best of Times. Your host, Gary Kaligas. Good morning, radio listeners. I'm Gary Kaligas, the publisher of The Best of Times, the only magazine for mature adults in northwest Louisiana. Thank you for listening to our show today. Also thanking those who might be listening via the Internet at www.710keel.com. Also thanking those who might be listening via the Radio Pup application on their Apple and Android devices. In just a few minutes, we're going to learn about the concepts found in a new book called Unlocking Greatness. So Keep listening to the show for some very beneficial and interesting information. We are broadcasting our radio show from the studios of News Radio 710 Keel, a town square media station here in Shreveport, Louisiana. However, today's show has been pre-recorded, so we will be unable to accept calling questions and comments from our loyal radio listeners. Be sure to pick up the current issue the best of times at one of our 522 distribution locations if you are residing in the Shreveport and Bossier City area. Other listeners can view and download our current and past issues of our magazine, The Best of Times from our website at www.thebestoftimesnews.com. You can also go to our website to listen to previously broadcast radio shows, The Best of Times Radio Hour. But attention, radio listeners and friends, you can now subscribe to an Apple podcast on your Apple device from the iTunes store, uh, namely call it, uh, the, the Apple podcast is called the best of times radio hour and you can listen to previously over 100 uh, plus previously broadcast radio shows on a variety of topics of course there's no charge for this subscription and we hope that you enjoy listening to these shows to provide you with valuable information to benefit you and your loved ones be sure to pick up the latest edition of the 2018 Silver Pages Senior Resource Directory. It's full of thousands and thousands of updated listing, available at no charge at one of our 500 distribution locations. Make plans to attend the Senior Health Expo that will take place on Tuesday, April the 10th, from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. at the Bossier Civic Center. For more information, pick up the March or pick up the April issue of The Best of Times. Remember to visit our website at www.thebestoftimesnews.com for announcements during today's radio show, as well as information about upcoming events, activities, and news that you can use. We'll be right back with more information, but now we're from our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to The Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, proudly presented by A-Bears, Tending Country S. Report, your Dodge, Chrysler Ram, and Jeep dealer. Gary's got more of the best of times coming for you on 710 Keel. Now, back to the best of times with your host, Gary Kaligas. Welcome back to our show, the best of times radio hour, proudly presented by A-Bears, standing country of Shreveport, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. I'm Gary Kaligas. I do thank you for listening to our show today. Joining me on my show is a very special guest. It's Mr. Charlie Harari. Is that how you pronounce it, Charlie? Yeah, Harari. Yeah, Harari. Harari, who is an author and internationally known speaker sought after for his lectures, seminars, keynote addresses on business intelligence, performance management, personnel empowerment. He also hosts a weekly radio show. And... Um, and we're gonna we we love to have him on our show today, and I'm very proud that he took time from his busy schedule. Um, he uh, he also has a 
he's mentioning that his product is called Unlocking Greatness Podcast, but it, it's also on the top ten of iTunes for new and noteworthy managed, uh business podcast so congratulations charlie on that particular accomplishment thank you so much i appreciate it so your the book that you provided with to me to give a little advance uh is called unlocking greatness the unexpected journey from the life you have to the life you want and uh i've read it I will tell our listeners you need to read it more than once to get to grasp. You've got a lot of concepts, a lot of great information that it it took me a couple of t- couple of times in rereading it to catch all of it. Is, is that pretty pretty much your recommendation to readers? Well, I, I appreciate that. I'm honored by your recommendation, and it, it, I really appreciate that. Yeah, we put a lot. I particularly really try to go chapter by chapter, and not only make it something that connects in the chapters, but to really go back and make sure that every line that we put in is really filled with content. So when somebody does do us the honor of buying that book, we give them as much as possible in, in between two covers. Wow, Charlie, it does have a lot of content. I will I will put that an exclamation point by that. But one thing I, I learned about you in reading your book and also in some of your bio, boy, you're a multi-talented individual with lots of energy. Uh, <laughs> Appreciate that. And Thank you, you also tell our listeners you're a marathon runner, right? Yeah, I just uh yeah, I I run marathons. I had just finished I just completed the New York City Marathon this year. Wow. So it was uh very uh, a big accomplishment, something that I always wanted to do. I was a little nervous about growing you know, growing up and getting older and at some point I said to myself, I'm not gonna do it now, I'm not gonna do it ever and so like so many things in life, you put your head down you put your mind to it, and you well, go to work every day at something, and you end up doing things you never thought possible. Well, it's we have to we have those uh, bucket lists, as we call call it. So you checked off that off the bucket list, but I'm sure you're going to continue doing this, right? In the future, well, I hope so. You're going to be you'll be doing more. Plus, it's good for you as well as uh, it's you. You have a a long period of time that you can meditate while you're running, right? Oh yeah. Oh, it's absolutely, <laughs> absolutely correct. It's funny that running. At some point, the music that you have just sort of like fades to the background. Yeah. And then you get like your body, you know, your mind's like, what are we doing? Like, what are we crazy? <laughs> like your mind starts sending you messages like, are you doing this on purpose? Like, you know there are cars today? <laughs> when all that starts going away, when you still have like, you know, 20 more miles left, you're okay. just really you and yourself and your soul and your mind. And it's just an incredibly meditative experience where you really have a time to think and nothing to do except for just running. And so, yeah, I, I completely agree with that. So, but I, I think I'd like to, I always like to ask uh, authors when they come to my show, what what inspired you to, to I think you did the, did a radio show first before writing the book. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, I was in the radio for, yeah, absolutely. And, and the, the book actually came mostly from conversations I had with people. I had a show, I, t- I teach in a uh, in a business school, and I was, you know, People were calling, hey, I heard the show, or was at a class, was at a lecture, or whatever, and you said this, so what do you mean by this, and what do you mean by that, and can you help me with this? And it really started to evolve with taking questions from people, how to apply what I was saying into their lives. And then over time, I started to really research this way I can get better answers and make sure I'm giving them enough information. And I found myself saying the same thing again and again and again and again, until I said to myself, wait, wait a second, why don't I write down? and just send them something so that when we talk, we've already done the first hour, two hours, or whatever of information download. And that's really where I started to first come up with the idea of maybe it's time to write a book. 
And then once you start going down that path, it's a whole other world because then you start connecting new dots and uncovering new information and going back to what you originally thought. And that whole process is really a marathon into itself that you begin one way and you end a different way. And along the way, you learn things about yourself that you never knew were there. And you learn things about the subjects that you care most about in ways that you never thought possible. And that's sort of been the journey for me on this book. So how long did it take you from the initial thought of, yes, I'm going to write a book to it, to it, to its completion, which has just been released in March, is that correct? Yeah, yeah, just released in March. March 13th was the release date. Um, it's the whole process beginning, beginning to end was around four years. Whoa. And yeah, it's till you get the book proposal done and you get the book proposal into agents and from agents into publishers and publishers and picking it up and then they set this date and that date and then your first proposal, second proposal, I mean, the whole process, even, I mean, I was done with the, basically done with the the, the book, you know, mo- and we, had, we had a couple more edits, but for the most part, I submitted the book um, somewhere around last April, so it's been a year just from when I already put in the material to where we went back and, re- you know, revisited it and revised it and added footnotes to it and then marketing, and so it's been a long process to to come to March. Yeah, I'm impressed. It has lots of footnotes. I mean, wow, a lot of references to all the, your 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 concepts, your your presentation, which is fascinating. And uh, I mean, some of it's your thoughts, but you also reference many other uh, intellectuals and excellent people and and journals and information throughout the world, not just in the United States, but from from throughout the world, and, and helping individuals to unlock their, their greatness. So you you did your research from individuals, and uh, and and I know you do it's which is good in 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 a sense. You give examples of of different individuals that you know that, and you start off, which I thought was an interesting. It caught my attention in your introduction. Uh, you asked the question, why am I perpetually unsatisfied? Right? Yeah. And, yeah, and, and that, I think, I think, that's exactly right. And that is the question. You know, it's interesting that when, when, you, when you read books that are about personal growth or, you know, greatness, a lot of times people assume that greatness is something that's like on a pedestal. When you think about a great life or living at a certain level of empowerment or just being the best you can be, then like we sort of associate that with like winning a gold medal or Super Bowl Super Bowl or you know March Madness winning the NCAA championships or making a certain amount of money or fame or fortune. We seem to connect that word greatness with something very outstanding from our typical lives. And that's not the case at all. In fact, the real greatness, what we really want in life, is a certain level of life satisfaction. We want to go through our days and feel an intangible sense of a high-quality life experience. And that feeling we all have had before in brief moments of our lives. We feel it sometimes when we... Just, it's, it's like almost like an addictive, intangible feeling that we all have. That feeling, that life that brings those feelings really is the path to each and every one of our greatnesses. And that's what I was trying to uncover in that book. And it really starts with asking the question of, why am I perpetually unsatisfied? Not, not, not everybody feels it at the same level. But in this particular case, I opened with that because it, the story that we opened with was of my friend Dave, who had almost what, what seemed like from 
the surface everything. He had a right. wonderful wife. He had children. He had a very prestigious career. And like everything he wanted, he sort of had. And yet, he wasn't able to be satisfied with it. And the question, because once you reach a level where you have the things that you're looking for, that's really a dangerous spot. Because if you get everything you want and you're still not satisfied, then now you're lost. And the journey of the book begins by going even further than what we would think to be, oh, if I get this, then I'll get it. This is not a book of, here's how you become a millionaire overnight. Or here's <laughs> how you lose weight in 24 hours. It's not one of those, or here's how I can teach you how to flip houses. And those are all fine books, and I'm not taking away from anyone else's work. It's not that. This is more of a, how do I unlock what's inside me? in a consistent way so that my personal life, in my experiences with my family, with my jobs and my career, I know at my core that I'm living the greatest that I can. And and I, what I, I felt is majority of the people that you interviewed seem like they have that similar type question or concern. You know, you keep asking them what do they want and they don't know, right? They, yeah, and, and in fact, what happens so many times is that we seem to be okay in certain areas, or we seem to be okay in life until something happens, right? When you're when you're doing okay, when you don't you don't got to ask a lot of questions, when everything is just about survival, right? If 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 the week is sort of get through the week to get to the weekend and then disappear from my typical life in a in a weekend mode and then go back into my Monday morning and then sort of rinse and repeat our whole lives, that's okay. It's just okay until something happens. And then there's a crisis, and then there's a feeling of dissatisfaction. So in the, in, in the book in particular, we had Dave's story, but we also had someone else that was in the book, Raquel, who really was doing fine until her husband walked in one day and said that their marriage was over. And that sort of crisis point, and we all have all experienced challenges before, but it's in those moments of challenge that the people that have not been pushing for their own greatness, that have not been searching and, and growing in that way, they feel thrown. And that's really where life starts to become very difficult. And it's when you're pursuing something deeper and you're on mission, if you will, for your life, you grapple with challenges so much differently than other people. And so that's, those are the moments where usually people call me or ask for advice. It's usually people that are just going through their days like everything else, not really thinking, sort of spending their extra time and attention on, you know, whatever the media has or says or whatever's on TV or whatever game is on, which is all fine. And then there's usually a wall or a block or a crisis moment and that throws the whole thing off. And it's in those moments that you really start to ask yourself, okay, well, what do I really want? And that's really what a lot of the people that are in the book are, why they came to me. And and, and isn't that the overall goal of your book, to, to seek that, I think you call it the golden lever, to bridge the life you have right now to the life you want? Yeah, that's... And what, absolutely, what I want from people that read the book to start to see that the life they have could be the life they want. We assume that if we're not satisfied or happy, I would even go further, if we don't walk around life empowered, if we don't have a bounce in our step, if someone says to you, how's, how's everything going? And we don't say, amazing. We say, okay, <laughs> I'm surviving. You know, like, you know those people, how's everything? Fine. It's like the little, like, fine. fine. You know, like, okay. You know, like, you know, a little of the shrug of the shoulders, you know, whatever the... When you go through life with that sort of disempoweredness, there's something missing in how you see your life. And for some people, they're dealing with challenges. I don't mean to minimize them. 
But what I'm trying to show people is that there's a way to take the life you have without having to fly anywhere or buy more things or take on more debt. There's a way to take the life you have and start to make it the life you want. And it just starts with your perspective. It starts with your mentality. And it's complex. As you read through the book, the neuroplasticity, how your mind works, how the spirit, how the metaphysical part of you works. It's not, you know, simple. It's not just one maxim or one meme that you put on your wall and everything gets solved. But it's very, very, very possible for an individual to be where they are right now and to learn ways to make the life they have the life they want. And that's what we're all after in life. And and you added the the fact about people walk around, they may have all the all those trophies, all those accolades, all that money and all that but they're not happy. And and, and, and they'll say to you, you know, oh it's okay. And they don't they don't have that gleam in them. You said they don't have that step and and they're really not down and down under, they're really not happy, right? Yeah. And and the reason for that and we talk about this in the book and the reason why that's happening is because See, all of us have something that's beyond just our body. It's metaphysical, right? And something right. that's spiritual, and depending on one's belief, it's not about really religion. It's, just, it's, a, it's a spiritual sense that we all have. It's more than just our body. Now, that spirit, that soul, whatever that is, that's inside us, only comes alive when we're giving, when we're sacrificing, when we're, our lives are more than just taking. When we take things, we could keep all over the physical part of us, but we never feel like it's enough because we never tap into that depth. Deep, deep things, the intangible, the spiritual stuff that we crave only gets accessed when we give, right. when we take, when we sacrifice the physical. It's counterintuitive, which is why so many people don't live this way. We would think the more I have, the happier I am. So that's right. why we go off and pursue everything, right? We go... First, it's grades, then it's jobs, then it's homes, <laughs> whatever the things are that we're after. The reason why we're after them isn't because of the thing. We're after it because we think it's going to give us a feeling that's going to be attached with getting to that level of whatever. And what happens so many times in life is when you pursue things and take, when you take the symbol and you put it after your name, or you take <laughs> that, and when you're living your life selfishly, you're in a really tough spot because as you accomplish, nothing feels really good. Okay, for the first week, it feels good. You know, yep. you get to the house, like, wow, I can't believe it. Look at this view. You know, you get that accomplished. You come home, everybody pats you on the back. You feel like a million bucks. <laughs> but after a couple of days, weeks, or months, everything starts to become back to normal. Right. And it's it's because that in the process of taking, you've, you haven't gone deep enough. You haven't tapped into your soul. Right. So the things that you have could either be gotten, if you will, the right way, and then you'll enjoy it, and you'll live well with it, or the wrong way. And that's really where a lot of people trip up. They assume that the reason I don't feel really good inside is because I don't have it big enough. I know what I'm missing, the next level. If I get to this level in life, then I'm going to feel it. So they go out, and they fight, and they work, and then you get to the next level, I'm like, not here, Uh aha, that mountain. And their whole lives, they're just climbing mountains until they stop one day and they go, oh, my gosh, maybe I'm in, I'm in the wrong game completely. <laughs> and that's some of the things that we spoke about in that, in, in that part of the book. That's right. 
Hold on, hold that thought, Charlie. We'll be right back with more information. But now we're from our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, proudly presented by Abers, Sunday Country of Shreveport, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. Gary's got more of the Best of Times coming for you on 710 Keel. Now, back to the best of times with your host, Gary Coligas. Welcome back to our show, the best of times radio hour, probably presented by A-Bears, Hunting Country of Shreveport, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. I'm Gary Coligas. I thank you for listening to our show today. Joining me on my show as a special guest is Mr. Charlie Harari, who is an author and internationally known speaker, and we are discussing his remarkable book, Unlocking Greatness, The Unexpected Journey from the Life You Have to the Life You Want. And I highly recommend it to all of our listeners out there to pick it up. It's available on Amazon. It's available, by the way, on our website at uh, www.thebestoftimesnews.com. And you can visit his website uh, at Charlie, that's C-H-A-R-L-I-E-H-A-R. A-R-Y dot com to learn more about him and order his his book. And it's a remarkable book that I highly recommend to each one of you. Uh, it does inspire. And I was going to ask you, Charlie, is it too late for seniors and boomers to utilize some of the principles outlined in your book? Oh, no, it's actually the perfect time. I mean, perfect time? Really, well, I can see yeah. some young people could really make use of this, but being being 68 <laughs> myself, I, 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 I felt that, golly, I, I, I've actually done some of the concepts, and I just wanted to compliment you on, wow, he, he, pulled, he, he mentioned things that I have done that I didn't know that I was doing correctly, uh, and, uh, and, and we're going to talk about those in a couple of seconds, but... So it is. It is good for any ages, but especially even my my senior and boomer listeners out there in the radio land. Correct? <laughs> oh, absolutely. It's something that life is. I always think that age is more product of the use of one's mind than what the birth, the date of your birth. Oh yes. And a lot of times, people that are a little later on, you know, like you said, seniors and boomers, they're in the perfect spot right now with the world where it is and where technology is moving in medicine, where they have the opportunity now to really make life decisions as to what's next, as to how they want to live, as to how they want to interact with the world. And they may be in some, sometimes in the best positions to make changes, to, to, to adapt certain things, to see the world from a new perspective. They've got wisdom. They've got experience. I think they're, a, they're an ideal group to, to pick up a book like this. Well, I agree. And... Um you know, I I would love to have you on my show for four hours to discuss it. We're trying to give everybody little snippets about this particular book so they can pick it up. We, he has so many wonderful concepts and wonderful aspects that I have, I have, I've heard of but haven't been explained in the way that Charlie explained them. And one concept that I thought was really remind, our minds shape reality. To, to explain to our listeners about that concept that you mentioned. Sure. So when we experience the world... We are experiencing the world through our minds, right? When you're sleeping, you don't experience anything. When you're awake, <laughs> you finally can now start having experiences, right? Everything that happens to you, if you think about it, everything that happens to you, every emotion you feel, everything that's going on in your life really has to pass through the, the, the nerves, the, the brain power, if you will, the control center called your mind. Now, 
what happens to so many of us is that we think that the mind is fixed. It's what's given to us. That's how we were born. And we have certain things that we do better or worse. And we have certain hang-ups and insecurities and habits. And I'm good at this. I'm bad at that. And what science has shown us fairly recently, we're talking 30 years. We're not, this isn't sort of common knowledge. There's a, a, an emerging science called neuroplasticity. And that science has taught us that, in fact, the mind isn't fixed. It's actually very, very pliable. It's malleable. It's plasticine. It's plastic, as they say. Mm -hmm. Which means that every time you have a thought, it creates almost like a, a, if you can picture, your mind really changes it. There's a neurological connection to thinking. And when you think certain thoughts, you're changing your mind. It may take a lot of thoughts to actually make the change, but every thought you have literally changes the structure of your mind. So what that means is that when you have certain thoughts, you are conditioning that control center to experience the world in a new way. So if your thoughts are thoughts that help you build new habits and skills, that help you focus on what's good versus what's bad, that help you become that person that you want to be versus maybe the environment that you, you grew up in or it was given to you, you're actually shifting how your brain will ultimately interact with the world, but more importantly, how it will experience the world in itself. And so what you find, which is fascinating, and when I came out, came, when I uncovered, I mean, this is all out there, when I started going through this research, I couldn't believe just how much of my emotions and my experience is really in my control if I would just start to focus on working my mind and not trying to control the world around me. <laughs> so so you might you also bring up the the aspect of mental schema. Is it schema? Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah. And and, and what I thought was interesting is you have your schemas what you believe of the world and what you believe of yourself and those can be changed, right? Sure, and, and in fact, that's how life works. And the schema is like a filter. Almost picture that when you look through the world, you don't actually experience reality. In fact, the story in the book that I learned it from was the story of me watching the Giants beat the Patriots in 2008. Yes. Right, I'm in New York, I'm a Giants man. You know, when that happened in 08, like, okay, the Patriots, like, win and lose. Now it's like, you know, Super Bowls are now, you know, New England Invitationals now. But back in the old days, when, you know, in New England, they didn't go to Super Bowl every single year. No. I remember sitting at the couch and watching, you know, that incredible Super Bowl. The listeners, if you remember, oh, you know, yeah. when Eli Manning almost went down at the famous catch of David Tyree and the Plaxico Burst touchdown. So you can imagine what was going on in a living room in Long Island. We were, I, mean, I don't know what heaven feels like, but it was probably close. <laughs> what I felt. The place was going nuts. And there was one of our friends that was from Boston, and it, which, by the way, makes it so much better, by the way. Uh-oh. <laughs> So he was, and I remember going home that night and really thinking about how was it possible that you have two people, and I know this guy who my, my friend from Boston, I know my whole life, we're so similar, our kids are friends, our wives are friends, we live down the block from each other. We literally, like, if you just sort of, like, put us next to each other, so much of our lives <laughs> is totally aligned. So why was it that the two of us are having the exact same experience, right, watching what? the game? Same TV, same moment of time, same couch. But my experience was just joy and his was pain. And when I started to research and read, and this is both in science and in psychology and in, and in philosophy, they, they're all saying the same thing, that you see none of us was actually experiencing reality. What we're doing is experiencing reality, the game, 
through a lens, through a schema. Now, okay. my lens, my schema was, I grew up in New York. So I right. had, when I was a kid, they, you know, I went to school, and they said, these are your teams. You choose Jets or Giants, and I picked the <laughs> Giants. And, and then from there, it's just, you know, games and Phil Sims and you know, Super Bowls and Lawrence Taylor and Blue and White. And then, you know, so what's happening, if you can almost imagine it, is that my my filter, my lens is being filled up with all of this neuroplasticity that the team called the Giants is my team. Your team. Right. Right. You go to a stadium and people are screaming, we are number one. And you're thinking, mm, you're not number one. The players are number one. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> you're, but yet, you're just, you, know, you just spent $150 for a ticket. The, the idea, though, is that when, when, the reason why we love sports, the reason why I love sports so much is because I don't just watch them play. I've identified with them. That's my team. We are in this together. So, now, when you're watching a game, you got two people sitting next to each other. One with one team, one with the other team. What you really, if you can think about it, is reality is coming through both of our filters, oh, but yes. very differently. Right. And think about that in everything you do in life, right? You go into a room and you think that, you know, my spouse works for me. And she <laughs> says something that I don't like. And my filter is, what do you mean? You work for me. You're my spouse. You should be. You should know this by now, right? I'm your husband. I'm your wife. And now I feel upset at her. But if you think about it, mostly in day-to-day activities, it's not what she did. It's how it passes through the filter. Oh, my yeah. kids should do exactly what I think they should do because I know everything, <laughs> and I forgot how it was when I was being raised by my parents. Right? right? The government, God, everybody should... I have it all figured out. Why don't they just call me and ask me my opinion? <laughs> I, it would be perfect. Like, you ever get that? You know, like, everyone's crazy but me. Oh. It's when a, you go it, through your lives and you see the world through your schema and you never think that, hey, maybe that schema needs to be updated. Maybe I should rethink how I see the world. Reprogram it you know, in a way, huh? Right, reprogram. You know when this happens a lot? This happens whenever there's crisis, right? You okay. see husband and wife, and they, yes. they're bickering. And then all of a sudden, they, they, you know, God forbid, there's a, a diagnosis or a scare, a medical scare. And, yeah. and, and, and he, could, he couldn't be more, he, he, he's head over, what ha- head over heels for her. What, what happened? Well, a second ago, my schema was, I'm taking her for granted. <laughs> and now my schema is, oh my gosh, she's hurt, or she could be hurt. So what changed? So when you start to realize that you have the schema, which is what I'm hoping people that read the book understand, they don't got to wait for things to happen to them. They get to go out every day and start to clean that filter, start to maneuver and manipulate the different beliefs they have inside them that may be off. And when you do that, you start to look at the world with a new set of glasses. And the, the things around you that you missed are really, literally right in front of you from the beginning. And that's the hope. And and I will uh, add a little caveat here. In his book, everyone, he does give you exercises, examples, rituals, steps to implement some of these particular ta- tasks uh, that will definitely help you. And I, I thought that was very sharing of you as well. So a lot of a lot of authors and a lot of help books do not do that. Um, they do all concepts and no practicalities. We're, we'll we'll talk about a few of them here. I, there's there's so many to talk about. Uh, another aspect that I thought was fascinating, and I'm 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 after I look at these all these successful people that I've known 
in my 68 years um, um, on this earth is you had you stated the concept truly successful people have one thing in common that is is their mentality right yeah you, absolutely you, you stated that they have created and maintained these deep neurological connections that led them to their achievements and their 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 greatness and it's not just luck it you know it's circumstance it's not destiny and you say that that their minds shaped them in the reality to to make that uh that tremendous success which i thought was fascinating yeah and and, and there are people that have you know done all the right things and the ball didn't bounce for them but when you look at people that have accomplished big things and you just study their lives almost all of them now now just there's a caveat there are people out there with a lot of money and fame and wealth <laughs> that aren't, in my opinion, great people, right? They right. may have, it's been given to them, or they they could be good people to themselves. But when I'm speaking about in the book, truly great people, I mean people that have built and have grown and have overcome. They've created. And when you look at their lives, they almost all follow the exact same pattern, that they're doing things that the world doesn't necessarily know of or agree with, and they, many of them are grappling with challenges that would knock everybody else down. But the only thing that, that is different from them and everyone around them isn't their DNA or their background or their parents. It's their mentality. They can see things. They could put themselves in scenarios. They could create those schemas of what's possible, even when everyone else says it's not possible. And when you really go into their and I've spent so much time in the lives of great people, we all know their names, like in Albert Einstein and other people, they didn't just have life handed them on a silver platter and everyone thought they were geniuses when they were born. They built their own, they built their own realities, if you will, in their minds. They created very resilient schemas that allowed them to push forth when the world said stop. And it's, it's not despite their challenges they became great. It's because of their challenges they became great. Because the challenges, just like a Navy SEAL would never be a SEAL if his training was sitting in front of a pool at the Bahamas. <laughs> it's, it's the challenges that bring out the muscles, right? And that's where lots of people, they think that if they were great, then they would already be successful or the challenges that are in their lives are signals that either that they're not worthy or they're not good enough or that they're never going to be, and they're missing it. The challenges in your life are the pathways to allow you to fight, to make stronger schemas, to build more resilient mental muscles. And in that process, you will feel something that is so much greater if you fight, if you enjoy it, if you get through it, then if life would have just handed you green lights the whole way through. That's true greatness. That is. One other aspect that you mentioned that uh, I want, to, want you to touch on, which, which was, it was enlightening for me, is that you emphasize that where your focus goes is where your energy flows. And I thought yeah. your, 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 your emphasis on that was some of us, 
and I think even younger people do too much multitasking and don't focus on doing something the best and the greatest they could do it. If they could just focus all their energy, their mind, their talents and learning, even mistakes and going over again, they're going to be very good at that, P. But most of them that I've dealt with lately are in like 50 different things in multitasking. They don't do it all wonderfully, but they're doing a little bit of everything. And I think your book, your book mentions that, that focusing is better than, than multitasking, and, it, it, and you're going to be avoiding those distractions, which you, you, you mentioned in several chapters in your book about the distraction can hurt you. Oh, yeah. And, and in fact, what, what people don't fully appreciate is that your nervous system, right, your body, if you will, can only take in a very small amount of information every moment. You only get about 110 to 125 bits of information per second. That's it. It's a small That's window. <laughs> so whatever you're doing, wherever you are, you, go, you only get that window. Now, if you split the window up in 10 tasks, you only get very little that you can do in each of these tasks. So you'll be basically competent, maybe, in these tasks. And if you take the same window and focus it on one task, you'll actually be good at it. And exactly what you said, one of the greatest challenges that we're, we're grappling with and young people are going to grapple with is when you condition your mind to need stimulus every second, what happens is you keep on bouncing to a million things. And you don't have any more capacity. You only get that small window. Yeah. So you, you're really okay at so much, and you're really not amazing at anything in particular, not because you're not smart enough. You're smart enough, not because you're not you're strong enough. you got all the talent in the world. You got you're, you have a, re, a spiritual resource that's, that, that's infinite. You can be anything you want to be, but when you keep on bouncing everywhere, you can't be anything. You know, I'm raising kids in this era. Now i got, I got teenagers, <laughs> and I tell my kids all the time, if you want to really be the best now in this generation, just learn this one trait. That's right? it. Because when you get out in the world, if you can sit and focus, you're going to be hot. you're going to be better than 95 percent of everybody around you that before is true. you even get to taking a test. That is true. Just the ability to stay in something for more than a few minutes and focus all of your energy on one particular thing, and and, and life's the same way, right? right? Who wants to spend time working on a schema? Who wants to talk about, <laughs> who wants to spend time working on your mind? You right. know what I'm saying? Like what's on TV? You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> the the idea that I'm going to work on my brain and my mind, like, nah, can I just buy it and take it in a pill? Oh. But that's, that's, where, that's where the rubber you know, hits the road, so to speak. We'll be right back with more information. But now a word from our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, proudly presented by A-Bears, Tenant Country of Shreveport, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. Gary's got more of the best of times coming for you on 710 Kiel. Now, back to the best of times with your host, Gary Coligas. Welcome back to our show, The Best of Times Radio Hour, proudly presented by A Bears, Tenant Country F Shreveport, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. Joining me on my show today is a special guest, it's Mr. Charlie Herrera, who is an author, internationally known speaker, and we are discussing his remarkable new book called Unlocking Greatness, The Unexpected Journey from the Life You Have to the Life You Want. So thank you, Charlie, for joining us today here on the Best of Times Radio Hour. 
Thank you. It's an honor to be on your show. Uh, Charlie, there's there's so many wonderful concepts and in, 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 in discussions that we only have a few minutes left here, but I thought one of the most interesting aspects is, uh, there's so many, is your, that, that that you talked about it initially today on our show. You says, when we experience moments feeling exuberating, uplifted, and better, it exists beyond our bodies. It's a taste of the spiritual, the metaphysical state. Uh, you might want to elaborate with that. I think that, that is remarkable. Yeah, thank you. Uh, absolutely. We live in a world that is both physical and spiritual. Spirituality is the world beyond our body. It's an it's 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 reality that it exists. It's hard for us to articulate because then we have to put it into physical worlds. But it's part of how our whole humanity has developed. It's where the the inspiration for literature and for for for, for art, religions, um, medita- meditation, all of what makes life feel intangibly different than what I can touch it really comes from this touch into the spiritual world. And we need to, as human beings, understand how to grapple with it, how to tap into it, how to do it in a way that's much more uh, uh, pronounced so that we can enjoy it more. And how do we do that? And we do that by, in many ways, limiting ourselves. And it's, it's many, like I say, it's many, it's many times it's counterintuitive, but the more it's about me and the more my life is about me, <laughs> the less I have room to delve into anything deeper. So I live a very physical existence, a very material existence. But in my life, if I can make it more about something other, if I can connect myself and be in awe of nature around me, or understand the beauty of sacrificing what I want for somebody else in my life, what happens is we then tap into something deeper. And it's in that depth that we find our true self. And and that's what you try to find your true significance, right? You, you mentioned yeah, that's that. What, it, it, yeah, sorry. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's what significance is. We think significant, significant is trophies, mm-hmm. right? It's symbols. It's whoever's got the most stuff, right? You walk into whoever's so much trophy room, and they got 12 trophies on, on, on the stand, and they go, wow, this person is truly significant. But that's not true. They they could be, but that does, that's not an indi- indicative of their significance. Well, What's real significant is your 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 contribution, and, and I say this all the time. I, I, there are there are people, there are parents that are raising children that have very difficult time managing in this world, who nobody knows about, who are sitting in a home somewhere that, and the community doesn't honor them, and they don't have their own, and they are the most significant people in the community, right? Because their life is in sacrifice and contribution to to, to their children. That's yeah. true significance. That is. Well, I'm going to give. Charlie, in his book, Unlocking Greatness, has many exercises, and one of them caught my attention because I've actually started doing this. He he challenged every one of his readers to write their own eulogy. Tell them why. Yeah, that, 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 I'm happy you picked that one. It just shows what kind of person you are. 
Uh-oh. And, and just how oh, how open you are to this level. That's the hardest challenge in the book. So you picked the right one. No, but it's I, it, more and more people are actually doing this. You'd be shocked. I mean, I had a last a couple of weeks ago when a guest on my show was how to write your own obituary and your own eulogy oh, to be right. presented, and uh, it was very popular. And more people are are complimenting me. They never thought about doing that, so they can have it right what's in the paper or in the publication, as well as what's being presented about them. And they're also it's making them them think I really didn't have a lot of greatness, right? I mean, right. It, and, and it, it helps absolutely. you outline what what you still have time to do. Absolutely, and and, and you, you hit on it exactly right. It's we live our lives to build our resumes, and then get to the end of it and go, oh, I should have been building my eulogy. I should be looking at it from the perspective of you know, sort of backwards, and then looking back and saying, okay, if I'm on this earth to do this. How do I do it? And what's so powerful about a eulogy that I found when I was giving this assignment to people and they were doing it was it's from the perspective of someone that they care about. Mm-hmm. So it's not that I get to write what I want people to know about me. The eulogy is a, a eulogy in itself, right, is a mechanism in which somebody gets up and speaks about the deceased, which means he or she who's writing this has to pick an individual and see the world through the eyes of the individual. And that starts to get them to think, how do people around me perceive me? I could be the best guy in the world, but do they think that? (laughs) Am I being good to them? Are they going to get up there and talk about how I hit this, this, or I did that, or I accomplished this? Do they even care if I've done all those things and stepped over them along the way? What are they going to think about me? And when they start, and there was a, yeah, I mean, we can tell, I can tell you some crazy stories. There was a story of a friend of mine who is a high-powered New York City corporate lawyer who I asked him to do this, and it, in, he's writing it. And as he's writing it, he, it brought him to literally to tears as he was writing it because he was never able to slow down to articulate his life through the prism, through the eyes of the people that he loved most. So to me, the eulogy is, the most difficult assignment. I have a very hard time with it every time I do it. <laughs> but the more I do it, the more I seem to have a more clarity as to what I should be doing for the rest of the day. Yes, it is. Because, you know, that's the goal. Well, Charlie, thank you for taking time to appear on our show today. It was wonderful. A lot of valuable information. I do want to encourage everyone to pick up a copy of Unlocking Greatness, uh, The Unexpected Journey from the Life You Have to the Life You Want. So, again, thank you, Charlie, for joining us today here on the Best of Times Radio Hour. Best of luck to you. And thank you again for taking valuable time to, to explain to our listeners your concepts. It's remarkable. Thank you so much for having me. I'm an honor. I really am honored to be on your show continued success for all the wonderful work that you do. Thank you, Charlie. Have a great day. We'll be right back with more information, but now a word from our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour. We're here on News Radio 710 Keel, proudly presented by A-Bears, sending country S report, your Dodge, Chrysler Ram, and Jeep dealer. Gary's got more of the Best of Times coming for you on 710 Keel. Cue me. 
Welcome back to our show, The Best of Times Radio Hour, here on News Radio 710 Keel, broadcasting from Shreveport, Louisiana. Thank you for listening to our show. Don't forget to pick up your personal copy, The Best of Times, at one of our 522 distribution locations. May God bless you and your family. God bless America. Have a great day and a great weekend. Thank you again for listening to our show. I'm Gary Kaligas, wishing you and yours the best of times, both today and every day. Have a great day. You've been listening to The Best of Times on 710 Keel. Join us again next Saturday at 9 for The Best of Times. This is News Radio 710 Keel, K-E-E-L, Shreveport Bossier.